Welcome to the Qualified Tutor Podcast. I'm your host, Ludo Miller, and I'll be interviewing tutors and thought leaders from across the tutoring landscape to inspire, inform, and motivate you to become the best tutor you can be. The Qualified Tutor Community is a safe and supportive space for tutors who love to learn and grow. We offer training, resources, ideas, and a chance to connect with like-minded tutors. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join our Qualified Tutor Community at www.qualifiedtutorcommunity.org or find it in the show notes. Welcome to the first in a new podcast series in which Qualified Tutor will chat to Bramble, the AI-driven tutoring platform, about the power of online learning and a new path for tutoring. Bramble's platform hosts online sessions for tutors of any kind to use with students. The platform's fully searchable database means every session can be reviewed by all parties, students, tutors and Bramble, for revision, safety and monitoring purposes alike. The platform has hosted a frankly incredible half a million hours of tutoring, with many of the leading agencies making use of the tech, especially over lockdown, which saw huge growth for the company. We are delighted to announce this series, which will bring all tutors up to date with the latest in tutoring tech, which any smart tutor will see as fast becoming the norm, whether we return to -to face-to-face sessions or not. Another incredible stat that blows my mind every time is that 90% of the GCSE math spec is covered on Bramble every three hours. Let that one sink in. By bringing Bramble and their co-founder Will Chambers onto the pod, we hope to diversify your listening experience, teaching you about the cutting edge in educational technology and demonstrating how powerful recent advances in online tutoring are turning it from an area sidelined and overlooked by many to a leading force in the industry. Enjoy. So, Will, we're really, really happy to have the opportunity to speak with you today because we think that Bramble and Qualified Tutor um, are coming from the same place and have a shared vision for making tutoring accessible and, um, and a game changer in the way that we provide education for all our students. So, um, you know that we have some warm-up questions that will give us a sense of who you are and where you're coming from um, and make our understanding of Bramble that much more contextualized. So, Will, what kind of student were you and did you ever have a tutor? So, probably not the most exciting answer to, to that one in that I was a pretty diligent student to be honest. Um, I think I was, I was ultimately very competitive, be it on a, a sports field or or in school. So I always wanted to just kind of get the best mark and, and, and got my head down accordingly, really. And did you ever have a tutor? I didn't, no. I never had a, a, a private tutor. Um, but at university was, was fortunate enough to experience a, a supervision system, which is very much akin to, to private tutoring. You know, once a week, would meet with an expert in a one-to-one or a small group setting um, and have this really, really great learning experience. And actually, that was a big part of the inspiration behind why we started Bramble. We wanted to bring that same experience online for students all over, all over the world. Oh, fantastic. Tell us a little bit before we dig right deep into Bramble. Tell us a little bit about how you started in tutoring and also your um, your equity project that you were working on before Bramble. Yeah, so Bramble 
was born out of this this social enterprise we were working on when I was still at, at university, um, which was matching up state sixth form students with Cambridge undergrads for free mentoring and tuition. Um, that obviously had to take place online because the 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 tutors and the mentors were in were in Cambridge and the the students were dotted around the the country so that really was my first foray into into tutoring trying to take that supervision experience I'd had offer it to a, a wider group and in doing that we obviously went looking for a platform to deliver the tutoring um, and we were pretty underwhelmed by what was out there back then everyone was using Skype but substitute Zoom or Teams the same story you know a video conferencing tool is designed for meeting not teaching um so we wanted to go beyond that and deliver an, an experience that was richer um than, than what was currently out there so as a result of that we kind of pivoted our focus and, and started building bramble fantastic so tell us more about bramble will so there's kind of three things we we do differently um, to a, a video conferencing tool. We're we're a live online tutoring platform designed for for one to one and, and small group teaching, um, and we do those those three things differently versus the video conferencing tools. So the first one, um, it's perhaps the obvious one, is just making the lesson more interactive. Um, so giving the the tutor and the student an interactive space to work in together. Um, we talk about that as a shared notebook. When you think about it as kind of interactive whiteboard that they can upload resources to add annotations on top of talk to each other see each other um, so that's you know what you might expect from a, a kind of online tutoring solution um, we've done a lot of work around simplicity and performance we've made it very very easy to use and very fast um, we think it's very important that lessons flow you know when you're trying to recreate the experience of being sat next door to each other you can't have any lag, um, you know, be it drawing strokes or, or uploading resources. So we've worked very hard to eliminate that and, and offer that really interactive experience, which you know, I think helps tutors to deliver a better live lesson. We had a lovely piece of feedback, didn't we, about that? We were talking about it on the community space last week about um, what makes Bramble special. Um, and Johnny Bardsley from Manning's Tutors was saying that he enjoys very much that there's no lag. Um, and then on reflection, you sort of realize that one of the ways that we manage a student's learning pace is by the, the pace at which we present material. So if it was that there was a lag and all the information was backed up and then landed in the student's screen in one go, it could be quite overwhelming. But for you to have control over putting each number or each element of a diagram or each layer of information, one on top of the other. So in addition to having that sort of um, closer stimulation to the way that we work face to face. It's also doing other things. It's also managing cognitive loads. It's managing the way that we, um, the way that we're able to be responsive to our students' needs. So the fact that the tech not only doesn't get in the way of that, but is also enabling is, is super exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And our, our ambition with the live session app, as, as we call it, is almost for you to forget about the technology, um, for it to, to get out of the way. Um, and, and one of the things we track to see if that's happening is the average amount of time a user spends in a Bramble session. Um, and we find that it's over an hour. So every day, every user spends at least an hour on average in a Bramble session, which suggests that they're flowing very well. And we yeah. see, I think it's around about 
a third of sessions are longer than 90 minutes, which again suggests that they're forgetting the technologies there and just getting totally immersed into the into the learning. Lovely. You know, um, Will, we had Mary Myatt on the podcast last week, and one of the things that she talked about in her most recent book is deep learning. And she talks about how, um, well, this book by Cal Newport, Deep Learning, um, they reflect on the fact that in, in this sort of high change, high information age, one of the core skills that a person needs to do is to be able to sit down and concentrate and focus for a long period of time and actually make great strides rather than doing lots of things at a shallow level. Um, and so the idea of a 90-minute effortless focused tutoring session sounds sounds really promising for those students who are going off into this world where we're constantly um constantly distractible and yet the value the the currency is being able to concentrate and make progress yeah definitely and i think that's one of the interesting things that online opens up is your sessions don't just have to be an hour by default you've got yeah. more flexibility there on, on both ends. Um, yeah. So it's been really interesting to see tutors and students make the most of that. That's really interesting. It's actually called deep work, not deep learning. Go ahead, Will, tell us about number two. So the the kind of second, and from our perspective, most exciting thing about Bramble is we viewed this transition to online as, as not merely being about substitution. It's not just a case of recreating the experience we were having in person but also an opportunity for improvement. You know, what can we do differently? What are the exciting possibilities that, that moving tutoring online opens up? Um, and, and the clearest manifestation of that is our searchable lesson recordings. So every lesson on Bramble is recorded, transcribed, and fully searchable. Um, and what this means is that students build a, a phenomenal learning resource, a kind of legacy of learning that they can come back to again and again and again, um, really helping them to, to get much better learning outcomes, um, which you know, is what tutors ultimately want. Um, and then the, the, you know, the, the flip side of those searchable lesson recordings being they also offer um, you know, real peace of mind from a safeguarding perspective. Um, a recording alone isn't enough. If I've got 50 hours of, of lesson recordings and a student says something happened halfway through one of them, no one's ever going to find it. Um, those lesson recordings being searchable means that if ever an issue is raised, you can pinpoint the exact point that it happened and investigate it, which again is great for tutors and students because it just means everyone's safe and everything's transparent. That's fascinating. So, so you're saying that the technology allows you to search. Well, we're going to have another whole session on this, aren't we? But briefly, the technology allows you to use a keyword, to search a keyword in any of the sessions that I've ever um, received as a student. Is that right? Yeah, and actually, even more than that, keywords, plural, um, is kind of key to what we're, we're trying to do is that it's not just about um, kind of typing in mitosis and, and firing and forgetting and getting a result five seconds later. We try and guide the search as you're typing. So you, you'll start typing out mitosis and then we'll look at all the things you talked about in the same context as mitosis. Um, so cells pop up, chromosomes pop up, meiosis pops up. And sure enough, I can see, oh, yeah talks about mitosis and meiosis at the same time, click on that and it pulls up all the times we spoke about that 
we typed about it or we shared a resource alluding to it and then we can jump straight into that lesson at the exact point that we were discussing the differences between mitosis and meiosis so students gone from having a question having forgotten something to the exact point you know, kind of revisiting the memory um, that they they formed with their tutor in you know a matter of seconds Wow, you've said tons of juicy stuff there. But but you're saying that the predictive text is already part of the learning process for the student because you're helping the student to select which session it was that they want to revisit. So explain to me, who owns these recordings, the tutor or the student? So as user-generated content, they're, they're owned by the, the users um, so they can come back to them again and again and, and get as much value out of them as they want. Both the tutor and the student? Yeah. So so one of a student, one of a tutor's big goals is to make their student independent. And having the recordings of all the sessions is a fantastic way to make that student independent because they can revisit without having to book in for another session. Absolutely. Right. And so that legacy of learning that you're talking about, that really can become a bank of a bank of lessons that that student's ever attended that they can look back on. And and when we talk about um, we talk about building knowledge um, and we talk about assessment, one of the problems with assessment is that um, it tends to be a very isolated uh, question. So you'll ask a student to define uh, the parts of a cell or, or to def def define a nucleus and unless you ask them to define the nucleus in relation to all the other parts of the cell you don't actually know how much they understand about the domain um, but, but the way that you're describing this contextualized learning where every time you look up nucleus you're going to find all the sessions that had anything to do with nucleus is reinforcing this powerful architecture of knowledge which we want our students to go forward having so instead of being able to jump hoops teaching them to answer exam questions you're actually teaching them the subject domain in a much broader way which they can hold on to for much much longer yeah absolutely and it's it's really exciting to see you kind of hit upon that that guided search and context as key because that is, is is something we think is really important to emphasize is that this isn't just typing something into a search bar it's all about those links and connections you you okay. make and I know chatting to a, a number of teachers that's what they've been excited about in, in the exact example you described is that how does how does this concept nucleus link to other things I've learned about in biology rather than just viewing it as an isolated thing and you know, searchable lesson recordings start helping students to make those links and next time I'll think of an English example just to balance it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I tell you what, you know, my instinct is that the students are going to show us how far this concept can go. Because I yeah. don't, do you know what I mean? They, they, they'll show us how to use it, really. And um, we just want to put it out there and see what they do with it. Um, so, and we're going to get to that in a second in terms of how people are using Bramble, which, which is really the point of today's podcast, because... You've done some incredible research, haven't you, that is um, bigger. It's just on a larger scale than, than most of us are able to run as tutors. But I think there was one third element that you wanted to share with us about Bramble before we move on to that. Yeah, well, the, the third point really links quite closely to those searchable lesson recordings and then, and then the point we discussed afterwards around links. But it, it's really just emphasizing the insight that those searchable recordings provide um you know be it to the student in terms of you know, the ai synopsis of what i covered in any given 
given lesson and how that progressed over time, those links. And then tutor side, um, I know we've talked before about the opportunity that opens up for reflection and review and development to be able to look at your recordings, go back to them, even something as simple as the balance of the amount of words I spoke in the session versus the students spoken. Is that what I wanted it to be? It's not to say it should be A or it should be B, but am I being intentional about what that is? Um, you know, are, there, are there certain terms that I use too much that pop up in my synopses? And actually, it's a bit of a verbal tick, and I, I won't say that, that less. Um, so, yeah, that, that kind of insights piece is, is the, the last one. It could be too much information, Will. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we re-listen? Um, I, I, I've heard from a, a number who do. Um, we haven't kind of looked at that that data on a large scale yet. Um, yeah. I think what we'll, we'll probably talk about a, a little bit later is that measurement and assessment piece and then mapping some of those things to, to these other engagement and, and data points. You know, Do we find that tutors who seem to deliver better results revisit their recordings more? That's a very interesting question to be able to ask. Um, we haven't answered it yet, but we're able to ask it. Fantastic. Okay, so let's go. You you launched a study which we'll share alongside this podcast. Um, give us the give us a big picture, and then drill down into some key points. Yeah. So we we ran this survey back in June. Um, so obviously, yeah, everyone had had to shift. Yeah, all of all of their education online, obviously schools, but also also tutoring. Um, and you know, as ever, there's there's kind of a bit of a dearth of information on tutoring, um, and in particular online tutoring. Um, so we felt there was an opportunity to put that right and run quite a large scale study um, on people's experience of online tutoring under lockdown. You know what. What were some of the challenges they'd faced? Um, what were perhaps some of the unexpected benefits? Um, and how did they see their use of online tutoring moving forwards? Um, we asked a, a range of a range of different people. We asked tutors, students, parents, and organisations, and we got a, a phenomenal response. Really, we, we heard from over two thousand people, um, which I, I think makes it comfortably the largest survey into online tutoring perhaps the most comprehensive into tutoring as a whole in the UK. Um, so a really, a really promising data set. So what did you find? So I think probably at risk of sounding like I always talk in threes, there were three key points <laughs> that we, that we, that we pulled out. Um, so the first was around this, this transition to online. Now, obviously at the, the time of asking, everyone had been forced to move online um, but what we were more interested in is what was people's use of online tutoring before and what do they think it's going to look like afterwards um, so we said to the you know 2000 odd respondents um, more than half of whom were were tutors we said what percentage of your tutoring was previously delivered online um, and we found that 80 percent of survey respondents had never delivered any tutoring online before lockdown, um, which was great for the survey, really, because it confirmed that it was a pretty representative sample. You know, it, this wasn't just a group of people who had been tutoring online for the last 10 years. Um, this was quite a, a reflective look at a load of people who all of a sudden 
been forced to tutor online at the drop of a hat. Um, so 80% of tutors had never tutored online before lockdown. And then the follow-up question we asked was, looking over the next 12 months, what percentage of, of your tutoring do you think is, is going to continue to be online? You know, are you going to continue tutoring online for the next year? Um, and 99% of tutors said they would be continuing online to a greater extent than they were previously. Um, so that was was fascinating, really. You've gone from a situation where 80% of tutors had never touched online tutoring and 99% of them were planning to, to stick with it, um, which I think really spoke to the, the, the power and the benefits they had seen in it. And now a brief word from our founder, Julia Silva. If you'd like to hear more about the ideas we touch on here or gain the tools to take your own tutoring to the next level, the qualification for tutors could be for you. This live online seminar is facilitated by industry experts who, over four Zoom workshops, will cover the foundations of teaching and learning and how it relates to you as a tutor. The workshops are full of rich discussions where you'll learn alongside other tutors and connect on a professional level. We will teach you how to be the kind of tutor every child remembers. Visit our community space at qualifiedtutorcommunity.org. And sign up now for our transformative course. We'll see you there. You know, um, during lockdown, I listened to a podcast with James Altucher. And he spoke about how um, he felt that lockdown was going to accelerate things. So um, we have been sort of propelled into working online. And some of us have been laying those groundworks in advance. Um, but then but then there was a sort of majority that was sort of pushed into it and got to discover that it's quite comfortable and quite doable and saves you a lot of petrol. Um, yeah. so, right. So, um, so you and I both think, I think that um, having things shaken up and being pushed back to the drawing board in terms of how we do things in education is an opportunity. Um, the way that you described that Bramble wasn't trying to just replicate face-to-face learning, but actually um, bring new elements to the tutoring session that isn't otherwise possible. That's completely exciting. Um, And so your study is showing us that people found it comfortable to learn online. They didn't intend to, they didn't expect to, but once they got to grips with it, um, it worked for them. Tell us more. Well, so the the follow-up question there was, was run around efficacy. So we said to to those those four groups of, of people, tutors, students, parents, and organizations, thinking about the in-person tutoring you'd had before, thinking about the online tutoring you've experienced over the last three months, has online tutoring been more effective, as effective, or less effective than the in-person experience you've had? Um, now bearing in mind that this was a majority who had never tutored online before, had zero experience doing it and had to shift over at the last minute, you know, you might expect a lot of them to have found it less effective than the in-person experience they've been used to. But actually the converse turned out to be true. Um, so the, the students were the, the most positive. Um, I feel like they often don't really get a voice in, in these things. Um, but it was very interesting to see that 84% of students found online tutoring to be more effective or as effective 
as the in-person tutoring they'd received I love that. in the past. Um, you know and, why? Because they were dressed for Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, 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 we joke, but um, one of the, the, the points um, when I want to kind of come to talking about the benefits was around comfort and focus. Um, yeah. and, and tutors saying that many of their students seem to feel more comfortable and more relaxed online um, yeah. and that that did lead to, to better learning. Did you find out that hours were flipped? Um, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that there weren't many nine o'clock sessions. So we saw throughout the, the kind of lockdown period two daily peaks really, a, a mid-morning, um, kind of 10, 11 a.m. and then uh, a, I guess a late afternoon, sort of 4 or 5 p.m. Um, in right. the UK, we could see quite clear peaks every day I wonder if um if if, if you continue to sort of push the boundaries whether um students would opt for 11 o'clock in the evening um tutoring sessions because really that's when they just wake up I have a house full of teenagers at the moment and they um they really only want to talk at 11 o'clock at night (laughs) so (laughs) so I'd be very happy to set them up with a tutor at that time well so one of the when we we followed up with that efficacy question saying okay well what benefits had you seen trying to understand where this this increase in efficacy had come from and flexibility came out uh, number one across the board whether you ask tutors students um and that flexibility was in in scheduling um and it's something we'd spoken about before but online opens up a, a greater window in which you can do tutoring i don't think anyone wants a tutor coming to their house at 8 a.m or at 10 p.m um, okay. but you could do that online if you wanted to. Um, right. you know, so you've got much um, larger windows, which can either be tailored to when the student is best primed for learning or just to fit into their schedule, um, which which can be a challenge at times. You also have international tutoring then, don't you? So you've got time zones and people working through different time zones. So a full-time tutor, certainly while schools are open, could easily be tutoring in a few different time zones during one day. Absolutely. And we see, actually, if we look at the a pattern of activity on a world map through Bramble throughout the day, you see it, you see it follow the sun. Um, so you see tutors teaching um, out east um, you know, early in, in the morning and then you see it switch over to the to the west and over to America come the evenings. I can imagine you just watching the watch, <laughs> <laughs> watching the globe light up with Bramble sessions. <laughs> Tell us more, Will. Go deeper. So, I guess I should probably just circle back to that that efficacy point um, and, and yeah. highlight that it wasn't just students who felt that way. Um, yeah. Tutors were actually the the least positive of the of the three of the four groups, but still, seventy two percent of them felt online had been more effective or as effective as the in person. Um, tutoring experience so then uh, digging into those benefits flexibility came out as as number one uh number two was the the searchable lesson recordings um, and the benefits they brought to students for learning and, and revision a separate benefit that was pulled out for those for them was the safeguarding point um and then a, you know a few hundred tutors also recognized the value of those lesson recordings for their own training and development um uh. so three benefits all attached to those searchable lesson recordings. Let's pull on that last thread. Tell us about um, tutors using the recordings to uh, to support their own 
professional development? So the tutors we've heard from have said that the ability to go back um, and just revisit, say, a, a you know, five, 10 minute section where they either felt they did something really well or they felt they struggled to articulate something. Just being able to go back to that, being able to find it very quickly, very efficiently, jump straight into it and then you know, play it back at whatever speed they want to as well. And if they want to speed it up a little bit so they can review it faster great if they want to slow it down they can do that too um and the ability to just go back and and relive that five or ten minutes and then reflect on it say okay that was a really good bit you know what did i do here or actually i could have done this better and then the ability to try that in the next session and then go back to that recording and see you know did i manage to do that or not so there's two elements that qualified tutor is just about to launch um one is coaching where we work one-to-one with tutors, we observe a session or a part of a session, and then we give them some feedback about about how to improve. Um, And it'll tend to be um, constructive feedback. We lean towards the positive because there's really no such thing as constructive criticism. It's just a downer. Um, Much more important to show people where they're going right so that they, they lift their whole process that way. So to train tutors to hear what went well in a session would be a really, really um, a real asset to that conversation about how to continue to improve. Because in in schools right now, um, measuring impact and quality assurance has historically been a very, very heavy subject related to pay um, and all sorts of judgments, which um, I shared with you a, a webinar that Dylan Williams, who is the, the, the leading thinker, on, on assessment and also on teacher development. Um, and he talks about how it's actually impossible to know whether somebody's doing a good job or not in teaching until you look at the student years later. Um, so, so for a tutor to rather be able to focus on what they did today and how they could nudge it forward is a much more responsive and realistic way to help them to continue to level up. So we're going to talk about the NTP in a minute, aren't we? And the National Tutoring Programme is going to expect impact measurement. Um, But I think that one of the things that we want to achieve here and that your recordings are going to make, not just the recordings, but also the searchability element of the recordings, is going to make it easy for a tutor to pinpoint what they're doing so that they can reassess it. So the key piece of our four-part workshop is the learning loop, which is a responsive teaching and learning cycle. And The fourth element of that is reassessment, where we teach people to be reflective practitioners. But that's very, very difficult when you're always in the moment and there's nobody passing by your classroom to hear how you did it. Your student doesn't know the difference between you doing it well and you doing it not well half the time. So how are you going to reassess your work? Well, recordings on Bramble, so easily accessible, mean that, you know, on my commute to work, if I ever go back to work, um, I can I can check in and listen to how I ran that session and think about how I do it next time or hear the parts where the student stumbles so I could plan for them going forward. So it's going to take the whole reassessment process to a much more, I mean, really, it's an art, the whole thing's an art, but the science of being able to access your own material in order to review it, um, that's new news. I think that's really, really valuable. Shall we segue straight from here into talking about the National Tutoring Programme? Yes. Super. Okay, so so how is Bramble preparing 
to support the National Tutoring Programme? So we were involved in the pilot that ran over the summer. Um, so oh. two out of four of the organisations involved in that pilot were using Bramble for their online delivery. Um, we've since um, kind of got a number of other providers that we're, we're, we're going to be working with come November. Um, and, and again, there's sort of three things we're, we're trying to bring to the, the, the party. Uh, the first is that that legacy of learning for students, you know, much of the language around the NTP is all about this being a legacy, not just being a, a one shot. And, and the clearest way you could demonstrate that is by giving the students a learning resource that they can come back to again and again and again. So rather than it being a, a 15 hour block of tutoring, some of which is remembered, some of which is forgotten, it's a 15 hour block of tutoring with 15 hours worth of high quality content that they can come back to again three months later six months later 12 months later um so i, I think that is is really important um because it does it moves that talk about legacy from kind of words to, to really clear actions um so so that is a you know a key focus for us um and, and emphasizing the value that brings from an online perspective i mean to to, to, to me as a tutor that's really really clear that um that it not only it's high quality content but it's also personalized um and I was there the first time and I learned it with you the first time and I remember which slippers I was wearing and what I'd had for breakfast um so all of those things that sort of associate the context with the learning experience which I know is really important for you means that I'm going to have access to that knowledge in a much easier way than if it was a pre-recorded video generic video or if it was a book, um, because you explained it to me and I remember understanding you then. So all I need to do is tap back into that memory of learning. Yeah, and I think that personalization point is key as, as loads of talk about personalized teaching and, and, and learning. It doesn't get more personalized than your own tutoring lessons and using that as a, a revision resource ongoing. And those points you make about how that taps into the, the memory process is a, is a really interesting one as well. It's, it's still early days, but we've done a bit of a literature review looking at that um, and how a search based learning supports similar mechanisms that strengthen memory um, versus you know, traditional approaches, which maybe are at risk of weakening memories. Um, so it's, it's probably a, a conversation for another day. There is some quite interesting um, neuroscience underpinning the, the value of those searchable lesson recordings and the fact that they are so personalised. Fantastic. So tell us more about your um, your um, the work that you did in, in the summer with the NTP and what you think is going to be happening in terms of the NTP tuition partners and Bramble in the coming terms? Well, so one of the other big areas um, has, of course, been this piece around measurement and assessment. Um, so, you know, at, at Bramble, as, as we've said, we've already got this kind of huge amount of data generated from the, the lessons, the recording, the transcripts, the engagement, how many strokes were drawn, how many resources were shared, all of this, all of this data. Um, what we haven't previously had, and what often hasn't been in place in tutoring generally, are, are kind of student KPIs. You know, what level was the student at before this tutoring started, and what level were they at at the end of this block of tutoring? Um, so we're doing two things on that measurement and assessment front. We're introducing pre and post assessments, um, so kind of exam style, thirty minute 
little maths exam um, that the student does before their block of tutoring and again afterwards. And that will identify you know, their overall level, but also key topics and areas that they perhaps are stronger or, or weaker in. Um, so seeing how that trends over the course of a 15-hour block and the progress they make between A and B, um, I think is going to be is going to be super useful. And, and we're augmenting that with session on a session feedback um, after each session as well. Um, so for the the student and the tutor to very easily be able to say, yeah, the the student was was very engaged today. And they really understood the content or actually that, you know, they were really engaged, but they found this quite challenging. And the student likewise to, to be able to say, yeah, I, I really understood today's content or I found it a bit more difficult. And then also asking them just a more general question about their confidence in the subject. Um, you know, a 15 hour block of tutoring isn't very long, um, you know, especially when it's diluted with small groups um you know we know one-to-one is, is going to have a much bigger impact that's a, a separate a separate topic um <laughs> but a 15-hour block of small group tutoring isn't a lot of time um you know just raising student confidence would be a, a very good start point um so measuring that kind of soft skill along with the harder more quantitative exam um i think is going to provide us with a really interesting data set and then the key thing is that we're going to take that that measurement and assessment data and map it to the engagement data. So we'll be able to say, here's 2000 blocks that delivered really good results. And in those blocks, we found that tutors talked more at the start of the block. And then as the sessions went on, the student voice increased. Um, And actually students were really engaged. They were using the pen tool loads and and they uploaded some of their own resources. And then we might be able to look at a block of another 2000 sessions that didn't produce great results and find a different pattern. Um, so we can start looking at what a good tutoring session looks like. Um, and this is where we can apply um, you know, some of the work we've been doing in, in, in artificial intelligence to find patterns in these huge data sets, where previously when we've asked a human to look at it, we just haven't been able to find what is and isn't effective. Isn't that exciting? So I don't know if you've heard it, but early on in our podcast, we spoke with Lee Elliott Major who um, is one of the people who's responsible for making, for creating the EEF's teaching and learning toolkit, which is the biggest meta-analysis of what works well in teaching, um, but specifically interventions that schools can do. And so one-to-one tuition, you won't be surprised, ranks highly, but is very under um, tended until this year um, in terms of how, how schools use that information. But I, I feel that um, the scale of information that you're able to draw to allow tutors to find out what works um, in an online tutoring context will be really, really interesting because we could, we could present, couldn't we, um, a course or a series of courses that describe what behaviours tend to have the best outcomes. And, and we'll still have the wisdom to say, well, we're balancing um, hard data with the soft skills um, in order to see where the tutor can really make a difference to students' life outcomes because obviously we want them to pass their exams and do well, well in them, but we also want them to have the, um, the enthusiasm to start the next uh, learning course afterwards, don't we? So they have to come out with that feeling of success rather than hothouse. Um, and, and, and those are the kinds of 
trends that we could pull out from that kind of data that you're describing that, I mean, to me, just seems like a real opportunity for learning. Yeah, I think that's the the most exciting thing about it, is being able to close that loop of the the missing piece of data and start being able to identify some of these these trends and and patterns. Um, And then kind of the, the final thing we're we're looking at with those providers we're, we're working with is is making sure you're able to give schools and teachers really great visibility of what their students are working on um, which again has kind of been a core tenant of, of the NTP now tutors aren't going to sit down and write a 30-minute lesson report after every lesson that takes place um, yes you'll just be, be filled with gaps where it doesn't happen or it's late or, or whatever else um, the great thing about searchable lesson recordings and the, the AI synopses we're able to generate from those is you give teachers an at-a-glance view of exactly what their students have been working on in every single tutoring session the minute that tutoring session finishes. Um, so the tutoring session could finish 10 minutes before today's biology lesson. The teacher could quickly connect to their dashboard, see that that group of students worked on human um, biology, that group of students worked on plant biology and this group over here um, were, were talking about immunology um, and they just go into that lesson with that knowledge um, in a kind of far more efficient way than they would get it from any sort of manual process um, right. so we've, we've had these these AI lesson synopses in place for, for ages kind of word clouds showing what was discussed in a session but this is the best use yet for them um, because yeah, for a tutor and a student, it's a reminder um, of yes. what I cover. For a teacher, it's just a brilliant um, way of conveying that information very quickly. Yeah, and the word clouds are so visually um, accessible, aren't they? But um, as you're describing that, it does occur to me that the teacher could just ask the students. Yeah, um, definitely. But, but I'm, I'm saying that in the most you know friendly of ways because I think it's really important to remember that we could generate all the data in the universe, but if we forget to talk to our students, then we're really missing a trick. But I think, I think again, it's all about kind of freeing up the time to do that, right? Yeah. Which is why I think the efficiency point is key. If the teacher knows, they can log on, they have a comprehensive record, and in one minute, they can look and see what was covered. Then they can spend the other nine minutes talking to the students about what was covered rather than trying to dig through a load of handwritten stuff that's got some some bits and pieces missing and suddenly the 10 minutes is gone. 100%. Okay. So let's take exactly that and say, it seems to me that what you're saying about Bramble is it's so, it's such a comfortable fit with the way that we want to tutor that you're maximizing our tutor time. And, And the way that it's going to fit into the NTP is in the same way you're making um, you're, you're helping us get maximum bang for our buck in terms of the tutor's impact on student outcomes. Does that sound right? Yeah, and, yeah, and I think it kind of comes back to that point um, of the, the genesis of Bramble, really, around not just being about substitution, but you know, improvement. What opportunities does moving this online give us um, that just aren't possible in, in that offline setting? Um, and, and the recordings and the measurement and the assessment and the insight um, are, the, are the answers to that question. And the NTP is the clearest articulation of that value yet. Because of the scale, right? Yeah. Yeah. And because it's come into school. So it's not just between parents and tutors and students anymore. It's been landed in mainstream education, which takes us to our final question, the magic wand. Have you got it ready? 
Yeah. If you had a magic wand to sweep across the educational landscape, what would it look like? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a, a very easy answer to that question at the moment, isn't there? Um, which is no coronavirus disruption in, in schools so that <laughs> students and teachers can have a normal school year. Um, so I think that's probably everyone's number one, number one wish. Um, <laughs> if I had to give a, a slightly uh, more more nuanced answer, you know, if you'd asked me that question a year ago, yeah. <laughs> um, when, when we weren't in such exceptional circumstances, then you know, in, in my niche of, of education technology, um, it's kind of all about a finding a better way of schools being able to evaluate and implement technology. Um, it's very difficult for a school when they're bombarded left, right and centre from, from technology providers to know what works, what doesn't work, how they implement stuff, how they make stuff a, a success. And it's struck me in, in conversations we've had, we're, we're talking to teachers whose job is teaching um, and, and looking after all these children and, and they don't have the time um, or the, the kind of background to be evaluating technology solutions um but you know, increasingly technology touches everything we do um so the idea may be that there could be a, a role you know, part-time or full-time but for someone in schools to really be focused on that who has that background and you know liaises with the the teachers on the on the pedagogical aspects of, of the technology but has that kind of strong technology background for people to be able to talk to them and for them to be able to relay that to, to teachers feels like it could really help with this this kind of adoption of, of technology piece um, and yeah obviously what's what's happened over the last six months now um, has emphasized just how important technology is and, and how impactful it, it, it can be um, so yeah I think that that would have been the answer I gave a, a year ago um, before everything went out the window. I can't wait to hear what next year's answer is because I think that we'll have sort of forced ourselves to solve some of these questions. I read an article in the TES this week that was um, it was about a teacher who learned to use mini whiteboards in the classroom in her secondary science again classroom, and um, and mini whiteboards are very common in primary schools um, where the teacher asks the children to show them that they understood and they they have the answer to the question, but um, they weren't as readily adopted in the secondary schools. Um, I think because they just look like too much fun and that's not really allowed in high school. But um, so so this teacher was saying that they work very well. She trained the children how to use them. And now they were doing beautifully with showing her their work so that she didn't have to lean over their shoulders in order to, to support social distancing. Um, and right at the end, she said, but surely there's an app that's going to do this for us in a minute. So it's that sort of thing of, well, we found a really simple solution, but surely tech will take it to the next level. And, and surely we're all sort of growing in this way. Um, and so I think maybe the key note that I wanted to, to, to share, maybe to round this up, is that in school leadership and in, in all leadership, really, choices need to be aligned with values. And so a school would need to have its mission statement clear before it decided what to spend its money on in tech. And likewise, a tutor has to be really, really clear about what they're trying to achieve before they sort of um, opt into to the technology that's going to support or limit what they're creating. And the reason, Will, that qualified tutor is so excited to be 
aligning itself with with Bramble is because is because there seems to be such a such a um, learning centered vision around what online tutoring can be. Like you said right at the beginning, it's not the same as an online meeting. There's so, so much more to it than that. And we see that meeting technology limits us all the time. So we didn't get a chance to talk about small group tuition yet. And I know that you have a small class tuition um, option as well, which we should talk about next time. But I just wanted to thank you because it looks to me like you've provided tutors with something really, really valuable that's going to really improve their success with the students that they're working with. So two thumbs up from Qualified Tutor. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for, for having me and, and thank you to all the, the tutors who've been using Bramble and, and allowing us to, to, to gain some of these insights and, and hopefully share them to help everyone improve. Thanks, Will. Have a great day. And you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Qualified Tutor Podcast, where tutors share their expertise to support the tutoring community. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join our Qualified Tutor community at www.qualifiedtutorcommunity.org or find it in the show notes below. We exist to connect, share and learn with you because tutoring is a small job that makes a big difference.